Welcome to My Shitty Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Copeland. Uh, so shitty, it only has one T. I think I said that backwards. I'm a fucking idiot. I can't even run my own show. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, I just uh, got done recording um, an episode with, uh, with Jess. She was a real peach. Um, went over a bunch of questions uh, that I had about the medical field. Luckily, I had a teeny tiny uh, smidgen of knowledge. Um... So we kind of swapped uh, medical stories. Not really. I didn't say anything. I'm an idiot. Uh, just just listen to the episode. Uh, if you guys are listening on uh, iTunes, please go and write a review. That helps me out so much. Um, and then also, um, if you guys want, on myshittypodcast.com. Um, shitty's only got one T, obviously. Uh there's a, uh, a survey to take um, that will help me get sponsorship in the future. So if you want to hook, uh, hook homeboy up here, uh, please go write a review. I mean, fuck. God damn it. I can't get it right. I- I'm just going to start talking. Start talking. All right. Just listen to the episode. Write a review on iTunes and take a survey on my website if you want to help me out. Other than that, let's let the cat out of the bag, for God's sakes. Ask me, and then I thought, nah. Yeah. Because then I'll think about it and, like, whatever, and it'll be better if it's just, like, whatever. If it's better. If it's better if, if it's, it's organic. I like it, yeah. Right? Maybe it's not. It won't be, but it'll be organic at least. Hey, it's- organic is super popular these days. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know. It's my shitty podcast, so Sweet. keep that in mind. It can be shitty. I think everything's too polished nowadays, like too many like pristine radio stations, like it gets edited and yeah. And sometimes, I mean, like that's why we go to see live shit is because we want to see people fuck up. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm on board with that. See how I'm already jacking with these, Mm -hmm. but it's nothing you're doing. It's just me finicking with a thing. I'm not worried about it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, okay. We'll get started if you're ready. I'm ready. Let's rock and roll. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> Let's ride. Um, tell me um, who you are, if you just want to like introduce yourself, uh, and what you do. My name is Jessica, and I am a nurse. I'm a critical care nurse. Um, I have worked in Austin, Texas for six years as a nurse, longer as a paramedic. Yeah. Um, I've been a paramedic for 14 years, and I currently hold three jobs. I now do flight nursing part-time, ICU nursing full-time, and part-time in the ER. So I am busy. Good God. <laughs> uh, pretty frantic schedule, huh? Yeah, it's crazy, but I love it. So That's awesome. Uh, I've heard that uh, a good pilot is crucial like for a flight nurse. Are you back there like... Yeah, we take care. So when I did that last May is when I left that full time. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so it's actually your whole crew is pretty like integral in safety. Um, you've got the the pilot who, you know, is basically, you know, you have to trust him with your life because, you know, you're in the back taking care of the patient. Um, it takes the whole crew. I work with an awesome company that um, really, really focuses on every being a everybody in the crew being a part of safety and so you get to do like when you do training you get to do all of the safety stuff and learn about all that stuff and you know you assist if you ever get into an emergency we assist in helping with the flight plan to get to safety or whatever but um but yeah for sure the pilot is 100 percent like 
you're putting your life in their hands. And yeah. So the base I work with, our pilots, like, they all have, like, 20-plus years. They're total badasses. And they yeah. just, you know, you're just, like, they're, I totally feel awesome with them. But some people, you know, in the industry, if, if you don't have somebody that you feel safe with, then it can cause stress. Yeah, most definitely. So. Uh, is it hard to, like, draw blood? Is it shaky in there? Oh, totally. Yeah. Totally. Without a yeah. doubt. It's a whole new world. Um, it's also small. Like yeah. super small. So there's like a weight limit Absolutely. as far as like, you know, the crew members. I hope I never reach the 220 weight limit. But like, <laughs> you know, big guys that are six feet and, you know, swole and stuff. Yeah. I mean, they, they can or, you know, just overweight. They sure. can really hit that really fast. And so it makes it a lot easier. Like our crews are pretty small people. Yeah. You know, um, big personalities. But like is like I almost weigh the same as. Some of the guys in my, you know, my crews are just super short yeah. and, and stuff. And it makes it easier back there because when things are crazy, you got to get IVs, you know, move people's hands and all that kind of stuff. And it's such a small area. It's nice when you're the two small people. Yeah, for sure. I uh, was under the misconception that uh, um, you had like the whole helicopter back there. Like, oh, yeah, you just spra sprawl out. <laughs> but you're crammed like your no, knees are the touching. The helicopter I work in is I am crammed back there. Yeah. Starflight, uh, who is, you know, the city helicopter, they actually can carry two litters and they can walk around back there and it's oh, nice. really? But not 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 the one I work in. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's super like, you know, when you stand up you're you like will hit the ceiling. You can't like fully stand up at all. Uh -huh. So yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It's bananas. Yeah, uh, yeah. And is, are there typically two nurses in there? One? There is always by the state of Texas law, there's a nurse and a paramedic. Yeah. So bananas. Yeah. Um, I know that like in ambulances and such, you have to like it's standard to park, I think, 100 feet away from a like wreckage. Uh huh. I so, imagine. So we we have like very, very clear regulations when we go to an, um, a site that is not not like a helicopter site, like yeah. a place that is built for us. And um, so we tend to. We have like all these regulations that we have to have communication with the ground and they have to have set up a landing zone. And a lot of times um, we do public relations and we fly out to all of these outlining cities and we give them like we teach them landing zone classes. Yeah. And like get to know them and all that kind of stuff because they're going to be calling us when they get out there and someone's having a heart attack or someone has a horrible trauma and they know that patient needs to like get to the hospital fast. They'll call us. Yeah. So it's it good it's good cuz we can like tell them, "Hey, you know, if, especially if we have a bad call and things didn't go well, like we had a hard time getting them on the radio cuz they're busy. They're yeah. busy. They call you and then they are busy taking care of a patient and so we're trying to get a hold of them, but we cannot land until they say, hey, it's clear. And yeah. then it's a it's a really critical time when you're landing in an area that is, um, you know, not made for a helicopter because sure. everyone has to keep their eyes out. And, you know, we all want to go home at night. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, you and your, you know, you, you and your buddy. I mean, I tease we tease each other a lot, but we all love each other a lot. Yeah. You know, there's eight people that run a whole helicopter base. So you get really close. Wow. And so. You know, you and you are in situations where, you know, if your partner isn't looking out the window and doesn't see those power lines and doesn't say, hey, hey, you've got power lines. Yeah. Theoretically, you could all not go home to your family. And I mean, sure. that's an intense thing, but it is the reality. And so, yeah, you know, you just you just want to that's especially when you land in 
landing zones like that, you want to all have your eyes out. And, yeah. And that's a critical time. That's well, wild. I figured, uh, I think I was always under the impression that like the helicopter gets there first, like whenever it's that tragic, but uh, you have to have first responders there clearing uh, a, a yeah. landing so area. 911 calls, you know, when an accident goes out. Um, and there are times, I, I, I think in my, I've worked on a helicopter for six years now. In May, it'll be six years. And, um, you know, there have been maybe two times in my entire time working with them that we've been first on scene. There was yeah. a heart attack. And then there was another, you know, accident um, that was a trauma. However, most of the time they call paramedics mm -hmm. and ground crews. First responders get there first. And then they decide whether a helicopter is needed or not. Um, in those few times that a helicopter is called, it would be somebody... You know, a bystander says the person's unconscious. And then it's still the paramedics that are responding that say, well, if they're unresponsive, then they're going to need a helicopter. And so go ahead and launch them, you yeah. know. And so it's it's always the ground crews that decide whether that um, happens or not or an interfacility hospital that is transferring somebody out. So the EMS uh, or like the fire department or those are the guys who make the call of like, yep. all right, let's get a helicopter out here. Yep. So there, there, are, there are people. I yeah. mean... We definitely, you know, they have a lot of capability. The one capability they don't have is speed. So if somebody needs to get to an OR quickly or they will die, that is something we can offer them. Yeah. We are we are faster. Um, um, if someone's out in the middle of nowhere, out in Marble Falls, you know, yeah. on some dirt road and they're bleeding into their pelvis, mm -hmm. then um, there is not a thing that us or the ground crew are going to be able to do other than try to stop the bleeding, you know, put pressure on wherever. But, yeah. but the trauma surgeon is the only person that's going to help them. Same with a heart attack, uh, you know, a catheterization and opening up whatever is clotted is that. So it's time, really. Sure. So. Uh, there's that golden hour, uh, they say. Absolutely. Uh, what's, what can you speak to the golden hour? Maybe educate people what that means, so what the, the golden hour means to... Yeah, so the golden hour is just um, basically... It's kind of a standard that EMS, um, I did work pre-hospital yeah. for a long time before I worked on a helicopter. And it's just that idea of when you get to a patient and it's a standard that allows, you know, people that are taking care of people in pre-hospital to, you know, help guide them take, to take care of somebody better. And so basically, you know, you respond out to the middle of nowhere and you get somewhere and you know that it's going to be an hour drive out to a main road and then, you know, or an hour to get them to a cath, you know, a cath lab. So like a heart hospital or yeah. a trauma hospital or somewhere that can actually take care of that patient. And, you know, um, time is muscle. If, you know, for some people time over an hour, they'll probably not make it. They will have, we call it a, you know, high morbidity or mortality. So they're going to have a bad outcome because they didn't get there quick enough. And so anytime it's going to take over an hour to get somebody to that definitive care, mm -hmm. it, who's going to fix them, um, they tend to call a, a helicopter or try to figure out a way to get them there quicker. Yeah, so because if, mm -hmm. I mean, it's kind of like the first forty-eight is what always <laughs> yeah is easy way to describe it as like if you don't figure out who committed this crime in the first forty-eight, you're ten exactly. times more likely not to uh, not to find the criminal. Um, yeah. Same thing with the golden hour. If you can't get to the hospital, if it's yeah. that bad mm -hmm. uh, that you have to call in um, a helicopter, uh, or I'm sure EMS has the same situation as well. 
Um, yeah, all that training goes into them dis- being able to discern what's going on, being able to, you know, take a tracing of someone's heart and go, they're having a heart attack. They need to get to a cath lab. And if it's over an hour, they're going to call a helicopter if they're, you know, and that allows them, it gives them guidelines to be able to, you know, rationalize saying, hey, this person needs a helicopter um, by putting that, you know, hour time frame on it. Yeah. So if you work in the city, you're not going to call a helicopter because you're always going to be close enough to Breckenridge or South Austin Medical Center or wherever, you know, Seton has a great heart hospital or Austin Heart. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, those are the big ones, you know, strokes and heart attacks. Those are all the big ones that are a time frame really matters, you yeah. know. Assessing everybody all the time, like being able to like within seconds be able to Absolutely. like uh, figure out what's going guy, on. Yeah, this guy's he's having a seizure. Um, do you feel like you're ever off the clock? Like when you're just walking down the street, like oh, this guy's gonna have a heat stroke or oh, that's hilarious. Um, this lady, uh, I don't know, it's won't. It's it's hard, you know. Every it's hard when you do this job and then you're out in the public and things happen. And you know, I have all kinds of friends that are different. I mean, I have some friends that are kind of like. They're like, they'll see something start going down and they're like, I'm going to, you know, they start walking away and they're Uh like, I'm just, you know, try to avoid it. But I mean, you know, if you're in that situation and it's hard not to, it's it's hard not to be like sitting there and watching someone and everyone's freaking out and you're like, I'm sure it's his blood sugar. Yeah. The way he looks or, (laughs) well, you know, it's, it's hard to not just like to start want to, and then you of course jump in if nobody else jumps in. Yeah. You're like Batman, like. Yeah. In, in the Bruce Bruce Wayne uh, suit, just like, <laughs> yeah. oh, that's a criminal. I'm going to yeah. get him. I mean, I, I was literally in the airport like three months ago with my sister and we were going through and this one of the TSA guys just fell and just totally collapsed. Yeah. And my sister started yelling, she's a nurse. And I'm like, oh my Stop Lord. Jillian. And they rushed me through like. They still made me go through the whole process. Of they course, were like patting yeah. me down real quick, hurt, but they like pulled me through to the front and then I just went over and his vitals were good. He's probably had low blood sugar, but you know, it's just one of those things where I was like, well guys, it's heart rate and his blood pressure are fine and this and this. I would check his blood sugar if you have that, but still call an ambulance. Yeah. I don't have a monitor on me. Like, <laughs> you know, the, a lot of the tools you have are like not just you don't carry around with you in your everyday, <laughs> you know, for sure. So you got it. You're like, still call the ambulance, get them coming. Yeah. But, so you're very much a first responder. We're like, all right, I can kind of get you stable, but yeah. we still are going to need a medical team. Like I can, I can get you halfway there yeah. or, or at least 10% of the way there. Yeah. Like a trauma surgeon on a plane without all of his utensils is still pretty useless. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's like, it's great that they're there and they probably have the knowledge, but you still have to get them to, you know, where they need to be. So Sure. So, yeah. Um, do you have a pretty good understanding of what people look like naked? Because you see so many, like, naked bodies. Okay. So I went to a nude beach one time and, like, uh, yeah. just spending all day there, going back into, like, the real world where everybody's clothed. I'm like, oh, man. I got a really good understanding of what like these people look like just seeing tons of different type body types. I know it becomes medical like yeah. once you have to pull someone's pants off or You know, it's it's really hard because you come become so desensitized. I mean, like yeah. I work in an ICU setting now where you know, you have a goal that every one of your patients poops every day. Yeah. And so it's a totally different 
like mindset and sensitivity, like I said. And I mean, it's really hard for me because when my patients are conscious and they have a bowel movement, I mean, I start to, you know, sometimes I'll start to turn them to get them changed and they're like, whoa, 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 you know, or like, yeah, wipe their, you know, wipe their scrotum because I'm like, just start getting busy and doing my job. <laughs> sure. And then, you know, a grown man is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And, you know, so it, sometimes you have to remind yourself like this isn't normal to everybody else yeah. to, you know have their, you know, you want to keep everything clean the whole time you're in the hospital. You're always trying to make sure nobody gets an infection and sure. all that stuff. Yeah. So you're just, you know, as a busybody, you're just going to clean everything. Uh -huh. And so, you know, you grab someone's <laughs> penis and they're conscious. They're like, wait, what are you doing? You know? And so, I mean, so you just, m most of the time when someone's conscious, you are like, hey, we need to get you clean and you can't do this yourself. Yeah. Because, you know, your pelvis is broken sure. or whatever. But, you know, we're human beings and we forget sometimes that like, oh, this isn't normal. I'm just like, hey, we got to we got to get you clean. And yeah. so sometimes you have to take a step back and be like, hey, I'm really sorry. Uh huh. But you need to be clean and yeah. you are not clean right now. And so, <laughs> you know, and so and people are embarrassed about that. But, yeah, as far as bodies go, I mean, it really you don't really notice it. Until, like, somebody else apologizes. Until the person that's vulnerable sitting in that bed, like, looks at you and is like, oh, I'm sorry, you know, yeah. I want to get a tummy tuck. And then you're like, oh, I didn't, I didn't even, literally did not even yeah. ever think about, like, that little belly fat you have. Yeah. Or, or, you know, scars that people have or things that, whatever it is that people are self-conscious about. Because yeah. um, That's a mole. Exactly. Like, oh, I didn't even see do it. Do you think that's cancerous? <laughs> they're in there for a pelvic fracture and they're like, hey, do you think we could get that checked for cancer while we're here? You know, you just never know what's been on people's mind. I'd and then come back. all of a sudden, yeah, all of a sudden they have access to all of this attention and medical care and yeah. they're naked in bed and... And then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, let's get that checked out too. Let's get, is that normal? Yeah. Do you see that rash? Is that normal? You know, and you're just like, I had honestly, you know, unless it's like inflamed and angry, you normally don't really notice it. It's just like <laughs> another freckle, another mole, another whatever. So, yeah. The second I remember I worked for a research hospital, which is completely different. Like you get all healthy patients. Um, but anytime that nudity was like involved, you, once you put on that Superman cape, like, it becomes completely medical, like like yeah, you said. It's totally. not. You're not like, ooh, a booby. It's like, no. <laughs> all right, turn around, hands up. Like, no. let's get this no. going. I don't know. Like, whatever you had to do to get your job done. Like that's yeah. that's what it becomes. Um, did you ever have the opposite happen though, where someone's like, oh, let's just grab my pain. I'm getting a little excited. How much? Go ahead and clean oh, the gosh. whole shebang. You know, I mean, like you a creepy old man. Or yeah, I mean, something there are always weird moments because, or, I or mean, creepy young man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've had so many moments where they would never have been awkward if that person didn't, you know, not everyone's the healthiest at coping with, you know, that awkward situation. And sure. some people, you know, because they've never come across it, <laughs> then they're all of a sudden <laughs> in that situation. And you never know what's going to arouse you, or you also never know what's going to embarrass you. And then sure. you also, if you've never thought through it, you're, you know, you've, we all have those friends that are like the most awkward people ever. And then the minute it gets awkward, they make it worse and worse and worse. Uh -huh, they and just so, keep digging that hole. yeah, you like, you're like working <laughs> in the ER and you're like, you know, let's just relax. This is totally normal. And then it just gets worse and worse. And then, yeah. you know, and then, you know, I'm sure in their mind they're trying to, like, not get an erection. And then they do. And then you try to reassure them that, hey, you know, let me just give you a minute. You know, yeah. and then it just gets it gets worse, you know. And then 
I, at the very, very beginning of my career, I was young, way younger, so about 15, 14 years younger. Uh-huh. And um, I was, you know, a little cuter and all that kind of stuff. Oh, and get out. We... We had a, somebody come in that, um, ladies and gentlemen, this is a this doll. is going to be gross. No, this no, is going to be gross. Um, a boy that was well, not a boy, but he was a good, you know, in his mid twenties. Uh-huh. Um, he masturbated into a vase, and the vase broke, and tons and tons of shards of glass got stuck all over. It. And you know, I'm Whoa. brand new. I'm a brand new paramedic. I'm a tech, and you know, I'm and. One thing that we do, because we worked out there, it was in, in Utah, and it was in the desert, like southern Utah, yeah. and we had these glasses, these magnifying glasses that we would use when people would get thrown into cactuses, and you would just have to literally like just sit there. like That was, that was a tech job, yeah. is to go in and just with tweezers, just pull out all of these, wherever it's they meticulous, were. meticulous, monotonous. So like. one of the doctors, I mean, we all, this is, this is you know... I'm not saying this is right that this happened, but it did. But it did happen. One of the docs came out, and and uh, he he would call me um, Jessica Rabbit at that time. <laughs> he said, Jessica Rabbit, I want to make this as uncomfortable for this kid as possible. Oh, so no. I need you to go get those glasses, and you need to pull out all these. And it was probably one of the most awkward oh, situations because I was so young, and I felt so bad for him. But yeah. also, like you know, I was not that experienced with that situation either and so here here I'm like okay I'm at work let's you know and just put these ridiculous magnifying glasses that you know when you look up your eyes get big so you look ridiculous anyways you got these circle frames (laughs) coke bottle glasses I'm sitting there you know what like what are you supposed to say you know so how was your day you know obviously terrible and you know I'm pulling out sharks and he was just looking up to the ceiling just like you know and and Please so, help me. I- <laughs> so that doctor on purpose would like wanted, he was like, I want to make this as painful as possible. So he like picked the a, a pretty girl to go pull all of these shards of glass out of this guy's piece. It looked like so painful. Oh, so anyway, sure. and there was one, we said one thing I was like, I'm so sorry about this. And he kind of looked at me and was like, dude, this is like the worst day of my life. And I was just like, I mean, it was just, and then it was silent for like an hour of like picking shards of glass out. And I was like, all right. And just left and was just like, man. So I've gotten better at it. I feel like if, if I did that today, it would be a little bit more yeah. Why therapeutic. It, sure. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> what a cleanly situation like i don't know why would you jerk it into a vase i don't know i i mean i i don't know i don't understand what makes men decide to put their penis in some things but they do (laughs) they do yeah (laughs) have you seen like road cones or something like what were you doing why were you banging a road cone like (laughs) i mean you definitely see things you know you're like you're like all right do you want to talk about it? If you don't, we don't need to. Let's just move forward from this point. <laughs> I heard that road cones very similar. I didn't. No, I'm just kidding. It's weird, man. Yeah. I mean, what's the weirdest uh, penis? Um, was that it? Like into a vase? Oh, I, I mean, you know, there are some weird things. It doesn't have to be the weirdest, but just like something out of the ordinary. Yeah, like, mm. There's a, I mean, to me, the weirdest is, the guy that you know, pe- the... people that are guys that get enjoyment out of putting round things, like shoving things into their penis. I don't oh. get that. Like into. Like a Q-tip? I've seen that. In the yeah, pee hole? Yeah. Or, or something like rounder, you know, like just, they get enjoyment out of that. So, but Like a BB? I, mm-hmm. I really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. 
So, yeah. Huh. And then you can do damage, and so that's when you show. It's, it's always, you know, we don't ever get to see these in the emergency room until yeah. someone fails. <laughs> until, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, I mean, all kinds of things are happening behind closed doors sure. in this town. But when and it goes wrong is the only time When it time goes you wrong is it. when we get to see it. And then we get to hear the whole, like, so how did this start? Yeah. And then you get to hear the, you know, progression of that failure and yeah. all of the different places they could have said, hmm. Maybe this is when I'll stop. Nope. Still going to do it. Maybe now is when I'll get stopped. I think I'll take a shot of booze and keep going. You know, it's just people are, you don't know what's going to turn people on. Do you see more, um, I don't know, men as opposed to women? Because I feel like guys have like a sense of pride where they're like, I'm all right. I don't need to go to the hospital. Like, I'll just deal with this or... I'll push. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll shoot this BB out in the morning. I'm, I'm sure. To, I'm trying to think just for like not looking at statistics or any like medical journals or anything like that. I'm just thinking from my experience of yeah. working in ERs. I mean, women get into trouble because you know when you put things up your anus as a girl or a boy, uh-huh. you can lose things, and people don't realize that. Yeah. And then, and then people get scared. Yeah. And uh, even though the rational part of you is like, if as long as it's not a sharp object and all that kind of stuff, it's going to work its way out. But uh-huh. people panic. Sure. Because they just don't know, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if it's a fuzzy ball, you're like, just <laughs> give it a couple days. <laughs> but if it's like, you know, a Chinese star, you're yeah. like, I, how did you even do that without causing damage? <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm not even mad. I'm impressed. It's like, there's a, there's a big difference. Yeah, I got know? two questions. Why? And then did you go to a flea market? Why do you have Chinese stars? Like, where, where? did you get yeah. a Chinese star these days? Why'd you put it up there and where did you get it? There's like a lot of planning that went into this. (laughs) Online Uh, ordering or I don't know. Yeah, you rewind several hours later and he's just frantically going up the aisles of a a flea market. Like, you guys have uh, Chinese stars? No? Okay, moving on. Chinese Chinese stars? Yeah. Yeah. Or or it just was sitting there. Yeah. Magically had one and it's like, hmm. Mm -hmm. Could that, could I get that up there? (laughs) I don't know. Uh, innovators, man. You got to get that yeah. anal cavity. Yeah. Was there a weird anal cavity? I've seen x-rays of like epic fails of people that put things up their butts, like bowling trophies and yeah. light bulbs. I saw a light bulb, I think was the craziest. Like, oh gosh. Yeah, that's, that's so scary. That's thin so scary. glass. Yeah. yeah. One flex. I mean, that's a you shattered shard. Yes. You shart? Shatter, shart. I don't know. Yes, there I feel are. Like there's a pun there that I'm not utilizing. Failures of like, like, you know, um, Flashlights, you know, it's yeah. like, I mean, you know, it's just whatever's laying around sure. and, and in the moment and they're like, hmm, and then it goes, you yeah. know, and it's up there and eventually, hopefully it will come out. But yeah, in but, one uh, piece. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. But you never know. G.I. Joe used to have four limbs and now there's only three. Yeah. I better go. I mean, people can need things surgically removed. Yeah. You know, like however they finagled because to get it up there and then and then there are times when it's not coming out without surgery and <laughs> that's embarrassing. I mean, that's embarrassing, sure, you know. Yeah. Then, then you know, you already saw the emergency room doc and then the specialist comes in and uh-huh. has to go through the surgery you're going to get and has to like sit there and be like, "All right, here's what we've got to do." And then you're putting yourself at risk cuz they're going to put you under and so, yeah. you know, some people respond badly to that and so all of a sudden, there's a lot of steps in that process that you have to face what you did. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, 
I imagine that's got to be like the worst case scenario. Like when a, a, an attractive staff comes in to take care of you, like, oh, oh yeah. I hope that the nurse isn't a, a, a For some beautiful people. young lady that uh, is going to find out that I put a G.I. Joe up my ass. Oh, hey, Jess. Fuck. My yeah. worst nightmare. That's right. Yeah. Uh, a good looking, <laughs> that, <laughs> highly know, attractive nurse to find out that I have an affinity with sticking things in my tuchus. I don't know. I, you know, I would think, I don't know if that's the normal response, but yes, yeah. um, there are definitely some people that whatever psychological or mental um, issue that they're struggling with that also is probably, you yeah. know, coupled with what they're doing to their bodies. Sure. Um, sometimes people come in and they want to tell you every detail over and over and over again. Yeah. I mean, we have, there's one particular person that I've taken care of multiple times <gasps> That comes in and a repeat he wants, offender. Yeah, he wants to tell you every detail. Really? Yeah. That I mean, people people are interesting. You know, uh-huh. people are. Oh, there's some there's some yeah. odd ducks out there, man. Yeah, they want to. You know, they sit there and it's like, even though you know, and you're like, yeah, let me get you back to, but but I want to, you know. Yeah, the there's more. There's more. <laughs> okay. I didn't tell you why it turns me on. Like, I, yeah. you know what? I'm just gonna get you medical attention, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I imagine the same thing with ladies, too, with an attractive doctor. Like, oh, oh, heavens, Patrick Dempsey's taking care of me, and I tried to put a lobster in my vagina. Damn it. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, for sure. I mean, <laughs> when you, I mean, just the tip, the basic, I mean, you know, there are some, I don't, I'm not allowed to cuss on here. Yeah, you can oh. say fuck and shit <laughs> I almost and and doo-doos and penis and so, you know, dankus. It's pretty common you know, to get an STD or in, I know that that's very hard for some people to believe, Yeah, but, um, you know, it happens and you come in and you've got nasty stuff down there or whatever. Um, and it's embarrassing because doctors are guys. Yeah. And when you have that, they've got to, you know, go in and look and they got to take a sample so we can test it and make sure we're giving you the right drugs (laughs) and all that stuff. And that whole process is like, pretty traumatic yeah when you already are like and the person that i had sex with just gave me a disgusting disease and probably is cheating on me and then on top of that i get to have this sometimes attractive person like doing a very invasive thing and and you know that's when we as professionals got to really like try to do our best to like make sure people feel comfortable and that's when like that skill comes into play because you can make that really really horrible for people i mean i've heard lots of stories from people where i'm just like what they did that (laughs) i mean you know somebody about to do that and then the nurse is like don't worry it feels just like sex you know you know like that's a terrible terrible thing to say but that has happened you know so it's yeah tell me a story about i mean that's that's the story is that like (laughs) it's like somebody is going in because they need something looked at their lady parts and you know, it's not a fun procedure and no. you always have to have a nurse and a doctor in there because, mm-hmm. you know, just to make sure because it's so invasive. Yeah. And so the nurse is in there and all the nurse does is really hand the doc things and make sure, you yeah. know, as a as a witness that nothing, you know, everything's kosher and everything. And Yeah, because but it's easy to see. Patting uh, somebody that's already like super vulnerable and having like probably one of the worst days of their whole year and like then they're gonna get a bill for this in the end as well you know so like this is awesome like all around it just like sucks at every angle yeah (laughs) and then just like patting them on the shoulder and being like 
you know, because they got an STD, is like, oh, well, you've had sex before. It won't be much different than that. Well, it is different than sex. Yeah. It was way different than Yeah, sex, there's you know? old instruments <laughs> that go in there. I hear stories like that, and I'm like, oh, my God, this person <laughs> takes care of people in vulnerable <laughs> moments? God damn it. What kind of sex are you having? Where you- <laughs> I know, I'm like, I, I, we have very different sex. <laughs> like, you have stirrups on your bed? Exactly. And, <laughs> and uh, I'm pretty sure that it's not room temperature, the thing that's going inside of me. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure there might be a little foreplay that excites me about that not room temperature, like warm, like body temperature thing yeah. that is also moist. And it's like, oh, there's I could I could really go through the details of how different it is, but I won't. <laughs> I heard you mention that uh, typically there's more male doctors than females mm-hmm. or like for the most part. Uh, is that pretty common? I was I was unaware of this. Um, or just so. Yeah, I mean. I would say definitely, definitely. There are, I mean, there definitely are more, there are more and more women becoming doctors. And um, that's great because you do want to, I mean, I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, I had somebody that, you know, religiously, they didn't feel like it was appropriate to have a male doctor. And, you know, these days we really do try to accommodate people's um, needs and things like that. Um, Just because... You know, the way healthcare is going, you hear a lot of very, very frustrated healthcare workers that like, oh, everyone's got to be satisfied with their care. But um, and you could go both ways about that. You know, sure. You could you could you know, you could say, oh, they don't know what they're talking about. But generally, if you respect human beings, generally human beings know, you know, what what kind of they need. I mean, I get it. They might not know the exact type of antibiotics or the exact type of pain medication or the exact type of treatment that is needed, or they might not even know how severe what's going on is. That's why you go to the doctor. But generally people know if they're, you know, pain is taken control of or if they feel comfortable in a situation. And so it's good that we're starting to move to where patients, you know, can have a say in in the comfort of their care, yeah. you know? It'd be nice if you could kind of like a, I don't know, a spa. You're like, uh, can I have a, a lady? The way uh, it's going doctor? these days. Yeah. If you, I mean, it's, yeah, it's it tre- going that way. It's trending that way where oh, you can like, yeah. I want, this is a, this person is a nurse, that person is a doctor. Um, I don't know. It's just trending in a way that like, um, so the way hospitals are getting paid as in patient satisfaction scores. Um, everything is around, um, like a Yelp situation or, or how are, how are we getting these feedback? So we do surveys, they do surveys Ah. and, um, they ask questions very specific. Like, I mean, the way that hospitals are going, it's very, very corporatized and, and it's, it's tricky to keep all of that humanity in it like you feel as a nurse that you know you want to keep a lot of humanity in there and also fulfill all of these expectations that prove that you're keeping the humanity involved in the healthcare and that's that's the trick because I can take care of my patients and they love me and they're so happy and all that kind of stuff but you have to like capture that on paper mm-hmm. you have to like it it you know it's just like the scientific process it has to be measurable Sure. And so, um, so we do all of these type of things, like put little care boards in people's rooms and, you know, put their name on it. And we have a rating scale of little smiley faces and we circle it and write the time that we did that. And, um, and it can be frustrating when you feel like your 
in a very critical moment saving someone's life. Yeah. And so you can get very cynical about that stupid care board. Is that what you feel like? Because you're like, I am. I'm, you know, starting pressers and I'm saving this person's life. And I figured out that they had a heart attack in 30 minutes and da, 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 da. Yeah. And like that, we did what we're supposed to do. You're living for God's sakes. Like. But if that person in that bed feels like you didn't care about their pain or, you you know, they feel like they that you weren't doing your job, even if you did everything in the timely manner that's required by standards of practice, you know, you did their all their blood work on time and you figured out what was going on and you got them to where they were going. If they didn't feel like that. Yeah. So they're like, there's a new training with healthcare providers is basically doing all of that. And on top of that, making sure that you're communicating to them that that's happening. Yeah. And so basically, if you can't communicate that, and, and they're scripting now nowadays in order to, so that when a person is surveyed, that they remember and they say, oh, yeah, they did do that. Like, did yeah. we control your pain today? They want us while I'm controlling someone's pain to say to somebody, did I control your pain today? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things. But like telling somebody when I draw their blood, it normally takes 30 minutes to an hour for this to come back. Yeah. And then making sure they know, which there are some good things to that. I mean, if you're sitting in that bed and you just got your blood drawn an hour ago, you probably want to know. Yeah. Hey, did anything come back bad? Yeah, do I? <laughs> you know, did do I am I having a heart attack cuz that's what I thought when I came here? Yeah. No, it's probably just indigestion. We'll tell them that their heart enzymes were negative or whatever. Yeah. So, and you know, it's just it's just like a little bit of a change in putting a an importance on people's perception of the care they're getting so yeah. that It seems a bit frustrating. Is it, it, it yeah. So, <laughs> you know? it's like, um it it is so controversial if you are like on my Facebook feed, of course, I am friends with a lot of healthcare providers and uh-huh. I, you know, all the time you'll see studies come across that like, you know, HCAP scores is what they're called or patient satisfaction is not making healthcare better or the outcomes better or, you know, and if you, you know, everything's in studies, studies, studies. So, you know, just everybody sharing, oh, this study says that HCAP scores are good. People's yeah. perceptions should be in the equation. and But it doesn't matter what we think because that's how hospitals get paid. So that's it. Yeah. It matters. Yeah, it, so it doesn't matter if you think it's a good idea or not. I mean, somebody s- sold it to people higher up than yeah. my pay grade. And so we got to do it. Yeah. You know, got to do what you're told for sure. Yeah. Because so. I've got one more helicopter question that I forgot to Go ask for you it. before we started moving on. Um, have you ever lost anybody's like personal item on accident? Like with the windows, up, like, oh, there goes his watch. Oh, shit. Not with the windows, not with the windows, but like left on scene <laughs> or left. Yes. And <laughs> really? it sucks because you're I mean, flying them so far away. And the worst part is if they're like... I mean, you know, I don't they get... don't have family and then nobody can drive oh, it out to them. No. And literally, if we do that, I mean, I have like gone back to a hospital, picked it up. Really? The... Yeah, because I mean, if it's like their personal belongings and they or if you go to like, say, a nursing home mm-hmm. and that person doesn't have any family, all their family is not living there. And then, you know, it's your fault. So is there a helipad in a nursing home? I would imagine that's a good uh, some good, some good measure. If for... not, then. If if there is not, then uh, ambulance will bring them to, um, to a helipad somewhere, or yeah. or you know, 
make a landing zone. For sure. So. What's uh, what's the worst thing that's ever been left behind, or like the uh, one of the largest items, I mean, like a, a prosthetic purse? Prosthetic leg. Oh no! <laughs> a prosthetic leg. <laughs> yeah, I'd go back and get that. That's that'll yeah. work. Yeah. If it was me, Jerk. I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh man. <laughs> I forgot this guy's entire leg. He's not going to use it today, but he might (laughs) use it in like two or three days. Yeah. (laughs) Has anybody ever asked you like in a traumatizing situation, like, am I ever going to walk again? You're like, dude, I don't know right now. Like, we just need to get you to the hospital. Like, this is not a question for me. Oh, all the time. I mean, every day, every day that I work, people are like, how long am I going to be out of work? How long? And it's like, sometimes you're like a very, very long time. Yeah. <laughs> you just you, broke your neck. You know? Yeah, <laughs> I you, mean, you have to be honest. I mean, you sure. have to, I mean, you just yeah. have to, you have to be honest and A, you don't know for sure because there are a lot of things that can happen in, you know, I see somebody either the day before they get into the hospital because I'm pre-hospital or I see somebody the first day because I'm ER or ICU. Yeah. And so, I mean, if we're doing our job good and we, take really good care of them hopefully we can get them out of the ICU in less than a week I mean that's the goal that's you know the less time the less chance they're going to get an infection or get a secondary you know problem happen from being in the hospital Mm -hmm. and so um and the longer they stay in the ICU I mean the longer you stay in you're gonna end up getting something like an infection or something so you you're moving quick and trying to get everything done yeah but yeah um I totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> You're all right. You're yeah, doing anyways. fine. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I've heard that before. Like, uh, if you if you want to get sick, go to the hospital. Basically, have you ever heard that term? Yeah. <laughs> like, no, I mean, it is true. It is true. However, mm-hmm. there are a lot of benefits. I mean, there are some things you are going to have to go into the hospital for. Sure. So, I mean, that's a totally true statement. Yeah. However, we, you know, it all matters on your the people taking care of you. We do everything we can to try to not, yeah. you know, try to get all those invasive lines out as quick as possible because you're, yes, the longer they stay in, eventually bacteria, there's a, it's a foreign part of your body. Yeah. It, it will happen. Even if we all do everything perfect, if it stays in too long, eventually, yes, you will. Yeah, so. the white blood cells start attacking it. Yeah, then absolutely. You're, you're, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it totally becomes a part of, it becomes a thing. Like whenever, I don't know, you're in a hospital, uh, they even keep it, Whenever it's super cold in hospitals yeah. for a reason, uh, because certain bacteria yeah. and uh, things can't live. I don't know if that's the exact reason, but I've heard that so many times, and it makes sense. I mean, yeah. you wouldn't want like a warm, moist environment. And this is third-party like, information, so don't yeah. take, take what I say no, with a I've, grain of salt. That's what that's, I've that's what I've heard, heard from everybody, thing. and it is it is it is so damn cold. Yeah, I, I wear a jacket. <laughs> I mean, I work in Austin, Texas, and I wear a jacket every day I go to work. Yeah, and I leave it on the whole entire shift. Yeah, so. I mean, maybe it does help. It's smart. It's got it, to. Yeah. Right. It's got to. Yeah. I would say it's, it's either smart practice. People always practice. say that and I'm like, I don't, I don't know if that's, but sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. It's, always, <laughs> it's like, it's either smart practice or it's either like a, a genius way to be like, I'm not fucking with the thermostat. Bad, ventil- <laughs> bad ventilating system. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I like it cold in here. I'm going to keep it that yeah, way. Yeah. That's funny. Uh, how much independent thinking do you get to do? Is that part of like why whenever you're in the air, like you don't have to check in with a doctor. You're like, I'm fucking, I'm cutting this guy's. Oh, I'm- I mean, we have such broad protocols. Um, I actually, my medical director for the helicopter is, mm-hmm. I will totally say this, a total badass. He nice. is so awesome to work with. I can, 
I mean, I've had horrible car calls where I get home and I am just like, can't stop thinking about it. And I will go for a, I'll send him a text and say, Hey, I want to talk through this with you. And I will go on a run. Like I'll send the text and gone on a run. And he's called me immediately. And I've been on the phone for three hours with him talking yeah. through every aspect of what I could have done, what my plan was, what I did, what actually happened. Uh -huh. And, you know, he's amazing because, you know, sometimes you have to think a little bit outside of the box um, as far as when you're taking care of people in critical situations. Um, sometimes it is impossible to follow all of the rules. And when when I say that, I don't mean like I'm rigging the rules. I mean, you know, you've got somebody that's unstable these are your options for taking care of them. Yeah. That's not going to work. You're either going to not help this patient or you're going to figure out what's going to help them to get them like to maintain just a minimal blood pressure yeah. or a minimal heart rate, you know, and when the things that are in your you know, arsenal don't work. I mean, anybody who's worked at, um, cause I used to work with my medical director at the, at the teaching hospital. And I've worked through lots of situations where we've tried everything. And the way medicine is, is it's, you can have guidelines, but sometimes things don't work. Yeah. And when somebody starts decompensating, even, even with all of your efforts, then you just start trying things. And it's weird because sometimes some things work regardless of whether it's whether there's evidence-based medicine that says it. And so, you know, um, you always go by your rules first. And then when things don't start working, I always have access to call him. And um, so I've been in certain situations where, you know, you're just landing and your patient just starts to decompensate and you've been doing, they've been fine the whole mm -hmm. time. And you've got five minutes to get in to where there's a doctor. I mean, in those moments, you're just doing everything that you can. Yeah to just try to keep them, f just stay alive so until you get into the doctor. And sometimes, you know, you do sometimes second guess yourself. Um, hopefully you have enough training and experience that you can, you know, do whatever you can to keep them, to keep them alive. But once you, you know, once you get in there, then there's a doctor there and then you think about everything. And I have an awesome medical director that when I call him, he will listen to everything he will definitely tell you, well, this is what I would have done in this situation. Yeah. This is what I would have changed different. But it's never, ever like, you suck. You're yeah, an idiot. Sure. Because he's been there and he knows that, you know, when you, like, it's hard to think on the fly. Oh, absolutely. Like, some people aren't good at it. And if you can't, like, if you can't think on the fly, then you are not going to be good at that job. No. And the people that I work with, like my, the paramedics, I mean, I'm a nurse most of the time. That's the seat I most of the time sit in. So the paramedics I work with are like, it's cool. I mean, you're working with people that think really well on their feet. Yeah. I mean, all, you know, all hell breaks. You, you're like, I got to get this guy that in this little helicopter and it's a big corn fed six foot, <laughs> you know, guy. And, you know, all of a sudden you're like, well. All his sons are here, too, and they're all corn-fed, too. Y'all are going to help. You know, turn off the helicopter. We're going to shove your dad in there, you yeah, know? And yeah. just just random, you just never know what you're going to come across. And that's probably the fun part of the job. Yeah. But it's also sometimes the, like, you get there and you're just, like, scratching your head. Like, hmm, how are we going to do this? Yeah. Right now it doesn't seem possible, and we need to do it fast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? and most so, definitely. It's super, it's, it's a, I mean, that's the fun part of the job. I would, I would tape sponges to the underneath of my armpit 
every day because I would just be like, oh shit, like just sweating bullets of like, oh fuck, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing the, should I be doing this? Should I be doing that? Dude. I'm sure you become desensitized to it. And like, well, it's just... there's always that anxiety. Like sure. there's um, go through a perfect like a example man. of is, you know, whenever you get called for like an un- unresponsive, like neonate or like pediatric patient, oh, gosh, you know, yeah. and you honestly, how I deal with it is, is you literally just start I always think worst case scenario. Uh-huh. I'm going to get there and they're going to not be breathing and they're going to barely have a pulse or no pulse, you yeah. know? And so that's, and by doing that, you always, I always am like, okay, so they said they're this age and they're this, if they're not breathing, this is the, this is the size tube I'm going to use. This is all of the medications I could mm-hmm. possibly use. These are, and then these are the two I'm going to use as long as there's no, like uh, these other issues going on. And I already kind of have a plan ahead of time. Sure. And the scary part is when they're like, call and it's a pediatric patient and the ambulances bring them to your base and they'll be there in less than five minutes and then there's a little panic because it's like oh i need to figure out my meds you know what i mean sure but um i mean there there are all kinds of trick ways and we have you know charts and all that kind of stuff so it's really not that big of a deal but that's the that's the part that makes you feel safe you know that's you, you know there are things you do that make you feel safe and make you feel like okay i have control of the situation even though there are one bajillion things that could go wrong on that pediatric <laughs> patient i yeah. know that i know that i'm going to get their airway and i know this is what i'm going to do and this is what i'm going to do and this is what i'm going to do and then huh i feel kind of safe and then you get there and it's a very you know streamlined situation where you're just like okay doing this first once you get done with that then you just do the next thing. That's right. And then you just do the next thing. And then pretty soon you're at the hospital with a doctor there. Yeah. Like, explaining everything you did. And so it, you know, but yeah, that's, that's pretty rad. You said that uh, you've got three jobs. Um, mm-hmm. Is that by choice or by um, choice. yeah. Cause you just love it. It's amazing. Yeah, I do. Um, I have hard time. So I worked in the ER for, at Brackenridge um, for a long time. And then I love the ER, but yeah. then there's a little stigma in the in the biz where like, you know, ICU nurses think they're hotter shit than us. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm like, yeah, I want to do that too. Yeah. So I'm going to do that too. Yeah. And um, I tried to get into the ICU, but it was really hard at Brack. Um, they have, a li- it's, it's hard to get in there. Um, and then I wanted to just stay in the ER full time and go part time. And so finally, I just decided they two blocks from my house, they opened up a brand new ICU that that was going to was willing to take me. And mm-hmm. I went on the interview and I was like, but I don't want to leave the ER yet. And so when I went on the interview, they were like, that we're fine with you working down in the ER. Yeah. So it all just kind of flew together. And I'm very comfortable in the ER. I was not super comfortable in the ICU when I first started. And. So I love that. I'm trying to like solidify that as a, as like being good at, at, at being an ICU nurse because it's a whole nother world. It's yeah. a whole nother world than the ER. And then I still get my ER fun, which is just fun. When I get to go work in the ER, I just, I love it. I love it. Just because it's like quick, fast Yeah, it's just fast. Like, you, yeah. you, you just, it's just chaos. Yeah. And so you just have to, it's like herding cats all the time. Absolutely. And, yeah. and, and it's. It's so different than the ICU where like I get to work and I get report and I, you know, wash my hands and I put my little stethoscope on and yeah. I go do some detective work. Uh-huh. And I'm so proud of myself when I find something new. You yeah, know? you're absolutely right. It's two different worlds. It's, like ICU is very quiet, yeah. very calm. 
Um, I would say 60% of the time I get to drink my coffee before I see my patients while I'm getting report, which is so nice. Yeah. something I've never gotten to do before. <laughs> a luxury that you it's don't like, think about. I'm like, what? I get to drink my coffee? Yeah. You know? And, it's going to um, be a great day. Yeah. It's very like detective-y and very like, you know, you just you're watching things over long periods of time where the ER is just like stabilize and treat. Move, move, yeah. move. You know, you just like just move people and it's, you know, and then every once in a while you figure, you know, you find something and, and you're like, you catch something or yeah. whatever. There's a sponge in there, doc. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, exactly. And then you get to do all the fun stuff like, you know, abscess, it, all, all of that crazy, crazy stuff that's yeah. just like fun, you know, jack of all trades type things. Yeah. I and mean, that's what the ER is. You just got to be kind of a jack of all trades and of be course. able to just fix little things. And, and then, you know, and then, the helicopter is just, that is like the funnest. If I could just do that and get paid a ton of money, I would just do that. But yeah. it's not. It, also a common misconception. You think uh, the helicopter nurses get paid very well. Um, but yeah. apparently the flight nurses don't get paid as no, well. Not as, not as well. I mean, because people just want to do it so bad. And I, I totally get it. Like yeah. when I go to work, I do it part time. And, and I love it when I go. When I get good calls, I just, I just. It's so much fun. Of course. Um, I do get to sleep when I'm not on a call, though. And yeah. so I do sometimes get paid that wage to, to sleep. And so I'm not complaining or anything like that. But it's my personal opinion and that the shittier the nurse job is, uh -huh. the more you get paid. Um, travelers get paid so much. Yeah. And I wouldn't, I, I, maybe one day I'll change my mind, but I wouldn't want to be a traveler ever because I've been in the conversations where you know you're just there to like take over and you don't get the good sick patients and I know that sounds terrible but mm -hmm. like you know as a nurse you want to take care of it's fun to work through real problems yeah. and 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 Have to a like solution. yeah yeah you, you feel and justified or vindicated that's the fun part is you know, saying, okay, this person's super sick. What is it? You know, yeah. are they bleeding or do they have an infection? What is going on? Yeah. You know, and um, are they having pain? You know, all of these things, especially when your patients are innovated and can't talk, yeah. you know, like totally sedated and out of it. So like you got to figure this out without that person being like, yes, it hurts here, you know? Uh -huh. So it's, it's, um, that is like the fun, fun part. And when sometimes, I mean, in my experience, you know, travelers, they'll come and, they're not a part of the communities. By the time they get done with their assignment, often they have worked themselves into the community, but then they have to go start over and be the new guy at the next place. And for me, I'm like all about like just being like in the community and just like knowing where everything is. You know, I, when I started my new job, I, I had like a moment of sheer panic when we got a sick patient up and, you know, here I've worked, been working the same job for like six years and I'm at a new place and the person needed a, a chest tube. They had a collapsed lung and um, I ran out to look for, I mean, there's not a lot of supplies you need, but I remember I ran out, looked, and it took me a little bit to find a couple of the things. Yeah. And I just was like, 
angry afterwards. And I was like, I'm going to find out everywhere, every single thing in this entire place is because I was like, I am no use to anybody. If like yeah, when I we don't... need something, then I just can't physically produce it. You yeah. Know? Where are the Band-Aids? It, God damn exactly. It. Like if I can't, uh, in, I was like, if I can't even find a gauze pad, how the heck am I supposed to like, if somebody needs to be innovated all of the sudden, you know? Yeah. So then like that night I stayed an extra, you know, hour or two and was like, I am going to go and familiarize myself with everything. And then, you know, a week later, because it's a new place, they moved everything around and I'm like, stop moving, shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. so, I mean, those are the type of anxieties you have. You're it's a just good like, nurse. To, to sit back and, and take the yeah. extra time to. It's more just, you know, just neurotic at things like that. <laughs> I'm just crazy, Adam. As, yeah, <laughs> just like, just like that. That's Those are the fears that happen, though. It's like. You know, your whole job, everything you train to be is to be able to fix people when they need like that emergent thing happens, you know, and then if it happens and you can't make it happen, it's like total failure, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Um, We got kind of heavy on some subjects. Uh, Do you mind if I ask you some drama stuff, like some some hospital drama? Oh, gosh, it's so heavy. (laughs) Yeah, sure. You mentioned uh, that uh, you didn't get much sleep or like whenever you do said job, uh, you you actually get to sleep. How long have you gone without sleeping? Kind of like a lightning round. Me asking you these. Oh, yeah. Um, I have actually, unfortunately, so... We have rules as far as like the helicopter goes that you need to be well rested before you sleep. Yeah. I mean, before you show up, even though you can show up and like, you know, if you fly for a certain amount of times, there's all kinds of rules of when you can sleep and when you can call crew rest. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, you've been flying for so long. If you fly for eight hours straight, you can be like, OK, we've been nonstop flying for eight hours. We need a little rest. Sure. Um, but the general rule is that you show up well rested. And so um, but. I have, I mean, somewhat recently um, worked a 24 and then I worked, went to the emergency room and worked 11 to 11 and then the next day worked a 24. Oh my gosh. And um, I will (laughs) say, I mean, I slept in between the 11 to 11 and the, and the helicopter, but I screwed myself. And this is what you, that's, this is the, the bargain you make is when you say, oh, we probably won't get that many calls. Oh, yeah. I'm sure that I'll get to get like the a se- six hour nap. The second you decide that is whenever uh-huh. it's a shit yeah, day. Yeah. <laughs> and I screwed myself on that first 24 when I got three calls and we flew all the way until midnight. And then I had six hours of charting to do. And cause yeah. that's how long it takes. I mean, it takes about a minimum of two hours to do a difficult chart. Yeah. And so we had three difficult calls, very difficult as far as like, you know, hanging pressers and lots of titrations. And so you got a lot of, lot of shit to chart and everything like that. Um, And so, and then, you know, I get off a little bit late because I'm charting and then I have to go home, get dressed and go straight to the ER. And then, so I would say, I mean, that's 24, that's 24 and 12. 24 hours is rough. Yeah. That's 24 plus 12 plus four. That would be it. Oh my God. And then that six hours did not feel like enough sleep. And then you go to another 24. And so, so I did that recently, but I, I have gone pretty sleep deprived in my, in my life as far as, you know, 
when I was in school in paramedic school, I worked a full-time job and then went to school full-time. And I don't think people realize how extensive paramedic programs are Mm -hmm. in the amount of clinicals you have to do. Plus the amount of schoolwork. I mean, it's a full-time workload and then you also have to fit in so many clinicals and then, um, and then some people have to have jobs, so they'll like, yeah, you know, work on the side. Friday, I work when I first was in paramedic school. I would work Friday, starting at seven p.m. Yep. until Monday morning at seven a.m. Yeah. I was on the hel- I mean, not on the helicopter, on the ambulance. Yeah, just all weekend, and just hopefully you just didn't get your ass handed to you the whole entire weekend. I mean, I was fine. Yeah, but then I would start my. Um, school and work week, which I would work Monday, Wednesday, and Friday nights in the ER. Uh-huh. Um, also, because you didn't make very much money. Yeah. And then Tuesday and Thursday was my full class load. And then I would have to fit in, sometimes take off um, or do like day shift where I would like do my clinicals during the day. Yeah. And then, or Tuesday night and and uh, Tuesday and Thursday night. Anyways, it would just be a ridiculous schedule. Yeah, and, and starting um, out pay for EMTs is, is low. It's terrible. It's, it's not and, good at all. And 15 years ago, you it was minimum wage. Yeah. At the place that I worked, which yeah. was not super proud no. of. But, no. but because there's always a, a long line of people wanting that experience. Uh-huh. And so they, they can get away with it. It's not right mm. that somebody's serving. I mean, nothing against serving McDonald's, but like, it's literally almost minimum wage, and yeah, it's a you tragedy. Gotta climb, gotta climb that totem pole mm-hmm. uh, with the crazy schedule. Um, I know this is uh, true. I can only speak for this for myself uh, in the service industry with our crazy schedules. Um, whenever I was bartending, or whenever I am bartending, um, it's pretty common for somebody in that establishment to be hooking up with one another. Somebody in there is hooking up with one another. I imagine it's got to be the same with, with the nurses. Yeah. Because <laughs> crazy schedules, like you're the only, those are kind of the only people that you see all the time or like your coworkers. Always. So there's always somebody sleeping with someone else. And then, <laughs> have you ever had sex in a hospital? Me? No. So I. Uh, do you know anybody that has? Oh, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, there's beds everywhere. I have everywhere. a strong rule. Yeah. I have never, ever, ever, ever dated or had sex uh-huh. with anybody that I've worked with Smart on purpose because when I became a paramedic 15 years ago, uh-huh. I worked for, is a good old boys little club. Yeah. And the, I started working there and the only other girl that worked there was having an affair with a guy that worked there for 28 years. Oh my god. He gosh. was married. She was not. <gasps> and I. I immediately she they they would go into the same room at night yeah. and I'm like okay all, all right, right. So that's what's going on yeah and you know I was young or whatever <laughs> and I noticed that and then they found out and she got fired he's married oh. and so I um went down to the bosses and I said well that's really fucked up she's not married yeah. he is married why didn't he and he's like well he's been here 28 years and oh, I thought no. oh okay I I see how it is. So the so, higher up you're on the totem pole, the more... I have no idea why why that is, but I decided then I'm not going to sleep with anybody. And I'm not saying people didn't try. Yeah. <laughs> I would I would get... There was, there was one particular person who would get drunk at night and send me, send me texts. And I would say, it's never going to happen. And in that industry, they don't know what to do when you're not going to be sexual. So they don't... There was about six months when I first started that uh-huh. they all struggled. They're like, oh, is she going to sleep with anybody? Or, oh, you know, because they're all firefighters or whatever. Yeah. And after about six months that that guy that 
he decided to give me a very, you know, masculine nickname. They called me Jesticles. And um, <laughs> and then great. after that, I was one of the guys. After yeah. that, it was done. It, like, they all tried. It was like, oh, this shit. And then once I was, and I would openly be like, I'm never, I'm not going to do this. Like, I want to work here for a long time. Yeah. And I want to be good at it. The other thing I noticed is the minute you start sleeping, I would I would train other girls and I would tell them. Uh-huh. They'd say, oh, how, do, how have you stayed in this career so long? How have you stayed here? You're the only girl here. And I, and I would say, Chastity belt. I know that you are going to want me to tell you what you're going to want to hear is study really hard. Yeah. Know the drugs. Yeah. Know what you're doing. Study your protocols. That's what they want me to say. Mm-hmm. And really what it is, is don't fuck anybody here and you'll stick around. Really? You can work through about anybody. Yeah. You can work through about anything. But don't fuck anybody because you're the, if you're going to be the paramedic, they're not going to li- you start fucking anybody and all the guys won't listen to you on scene. Yeah. And guess what? Every single girl I've ever given that advice to has not listened. And every single time it turns out that yeah. they just go ahead and they go ahead and fuck somebody they work with. <laughs> and then all of a sudden they don't understand why they're on scene and everyone's laughing at them or not listening. And that's just how guys are. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not it, I'm not saying it's right, but it's what happens. Sure. It's just. It's truth. just what happens. It, it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. It took me a long time to figure that out. That like, don't shit where you sleep. Do I, not oh, do it. God, I've done it too many times to like. It's I, the worst. Even if the opportunity comes up, I'm like, I just, I've done it. Yeah. I've, I've been there. I've seen the dark side, and I can't go back. Like, I, I know how much damage this can it do. I can't do it anymore. <laughs> nothing good will come of it. And you can tell people that. You can tell them all day long. And then they do, and then they're shocked when it all blows up. Yeah. 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 That's funny. Whatever. Do you, um, I don't know, do you feel good? Do you feel uh, like you want to go over anything else? I feel like we covered a lot of bases. Yeah. Um, no, you answered a lot of my questions. Yeah, no. <laughs> is it, I always, before I end things, I always like to ask my guests, like, is there something that you wanted to talk about? Because I hate to end it no, if there was like a story no. or something you're like, man, I was really passionate about this. Um, do you hate M- WebMD? I've got a, just one more, one no, or two more questions uh, for you. No, not at all. <laughs> um, it's funny. There was a doc that um, we had somebody come in and they were possibly having a heart attack. And, you know, they came in and as they were being rolled in, you know, holding their chest, they were telling the doctor and the doctor immediately came over and they were telling the doctor, well, I looked up on WebMD, this, this, this. And yeah. it's so funny because it was like such a serious moment. And then all of a sudden the doctor looked at him and he goes, man pretty soon I'm going to be out of a job with this whole WebMD <laughs> shit. And the, the, the patient kind of looked at him and I looked at him and was like, that's a good one. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it hurts often more than it helps. Yeah. I think it's, I can't tell you how many times I've been pregnant on that thing. I'm like, I think right? I got a, a fever. <laughs> like turns out, I've got, turns out I've got twins. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, uh, good times. Good. I figured that was either free entertainment like WebMD <laughs> yeah. or just a huge pain in the dick. It's like <laughs> Pain in the dick. Pain in the dick is what it is. 100% <laughs> pain in the dick. It's just like you're like, oh my God. Don't look at it. Don't, just, yeah, don't Google your symptoms. Just go absolutely to the fucking zero, zero like real thinking goes into that yeah. as far as like you just read it and you're like, I have cancer or Terminal herpes. Cancer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One or the other. Yeah. You're like, really? There's so many other <laughs> options between there. <laughs> um, I'm here because WebMD said that I'm going to become a werewolf. So yeah. I need some treatment. This is a real issue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, we always end with a poop story. Do you have a poop story? Oh. Um, is anybody like, 
Have you, so have you ever pooped your pants? Or maybe even, it doesn't have to be your own poop story, just a good, like... I have oh, so many poop stories. You can't even... It you, doesn't even... I mean, I, I have poop stories every single every day. day. Yeah. I mean, it's just... Poop is so funny. I know. I mean, poop is just... It is a part of life. It is so gross, yeah. yet it is just, you know, it's just... It's one of those things. I'll never grow up. Yeah, I always enjoy a good poop story or a good like dick or fart joke. Like, oh, those are gold to me. Yeah, I I can't think of one off the top of my head except for, you know, common practices when you show up, you know, when there are certain really critical life-threatening things where you can give somebody K-exalate enemas. Um, Uh It's, you know, for things, anytime your liver isn't working great and it's becomes very very bad you can get these to get the ammonia out of your out of your body uh-huh. and so it's something that kind of like pulls that ammonia out and it's horrific it's the most <laughs> disgusting thing is it just like ever... bile like projectile it's like a liter of green liquid that we put up there with the medicine like ninja turtle ooze does it yeah, look like that yeah just you remember like that Turtle. sure yeah <laughs> And, it's, and there is a very distinct smell to it. Oh, yeah. So obviously working in the helicopter, you can get patients that um, will have, you know, very serious conditions. Mm-hmm. And the doctor will ask for that. And the worst is when you have nurses who you don't want to give it because you know what's going to happen. Yeah. You're going to give it. And then an hour later, you got a big job on your hands, you, you like got, a big job. Yeah, <laughs> you know You've got what that I mean? distinct smell and then another distinct smell to follow. It. So <laughs> you will have asshole nurses where they're like, you know, you can wait to do certain things. You're like, oh, I'm doing other things. I'm doing other things. Uh-huh. I'm doing all of these life threat, like life saving things. And then they'll like hear the helicopter land. And then they'll decide to put that, go ahead and go start ahead. that KXLate enema because We're they're like, yeah, that I don't want it. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's the real <laughs> asshole move. And then that's when, you know, as a, as a nurse and a medic, you get real savvy and you're like, all right, we're putting them in a sleeping bag because we keep sleeping bags on the helicopter. Oh, really? Yeah. So, because if smart. you ever land anywhere or whatever. Yeah. And your patient, you know, you need to keep them warm if they're trauma patients. There's all kinds of, you know, reasons to need that. And that's when you just zip them up and you just give that patient to the next person (laughs) in a very tightly cocoon. And you say, a a person diarrhea burrito. Enjoy your ICU nursing today, (laughs) which is a real asshole because now I'm an ICU nurse. So karma's a bitch. I'm sure I'll get one of those one day, but you're going to get the diarrhea burrito soon. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Uh, So poop is, poop is real. Poop is part of everyday life. And, uh, it's not that weird to us, but yeah, you get desensitized to it. It's it's just a thing. It's just Mm -hmm. a thing like nudity. Jess, that was amazing. Thank you so much for coming Thank on. Thank you I for had having me. This was fun. Yeah, yeah. this was super fun. Good. Thanks for it's a good time. delving into that world yeah. with me. I loved so. it. You answered a lot of my questions. I had a bunch awesome. of shitty, dumb questions. Shitty, literally. <laughs> no, they weren't shitty questions. They were awesome questions. Awesome. That's it for us. Play us out, shitty ukulele. Peace out. That was, that was so fun. Good, right? Yeah. Oh. Oh. Can I use your bathroom? Yes, please do. (laughs) Speaking of shit, I got a shit right now. Just kidding.